0: This is Glenn Crooks on frame. Last Thursday, the Major League Soccer Players Association, Major League Soccer, and MLS owners announced a new five-year collective bargaining agreement without the acrimony from previous negotiations. In a moment, one of the members of the MLSPA bargaining committee. First, the executive director of the MLSPA, Bob Foos, a role he has filled since the start of the players' union in 2003. He led a conference call on the day of the agreement.
1: To summarize, we are uh, very, very happy uh, to announce this deal today um, with the timing and the substance of the deal. Uh, we think it represents uh, really broad progress across the player pool in ways that will help MLS grow uh, and will be real game changer for MLS players in the years to come. Uh, Our players were extraordinarily involved in this process. Players from all 26 teams, uh, our bargaining committee of uh, 85 players were deeply versed on all of the issues and and able to speak to them, and I think you saw that as uh, players spoke publicly. Uh, So the solidarity demonstrated by the players throughout this process really uh, drove the agreement, drove the the process and uh, put us in a fantastic position. So uh, that was certainly notable throughout from the beginning. Um, in terms of the deal, we think this really is an historic step forward for the sport and for the league, uh, and that we feel very good about uh, about achieving the, the things that we set out to try to achieve. And uh, as you've heard us say, Uh, The way we looked at this negotiation was that it was about fairness, uh, competition, and and continued investment, Um, and we believe we've made real successes on all three of those fronts. So overall, we're we're tremendously happy um, with where we got to. It it was a CBA negotiation, so you never get absolutely everything that you want to get, But what we did do, and I feel very strongly about this, is we got a deal that's going to significantly change what it means to be an MLS player.
0: For instance, senior minimums, which will allow players at the lowest end of the pay scale to live in even the most expensive cities in MLS. The mandated charter flights, which will improve the quality of play on game day. And for the first time, revenue sharing in a future television streaming agreement. Well, there's a lot to unfold. Let's uh, welcome in a member of the bargaining committee and one of the player reps for New York City New York. FC and one of the 85 players in the league classified as deeply versed by their executive director, Bob Foos, He's Brad Stuver. Uh, we've talked to Brad once before about the CBA, but now an agreement. So congratulations, Brad. Thanks for coming back.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
0: So what uh, distinguishes this CBA agreement from the last two, or I guess the last one in particular, since you were, uh, you were involved then because Foose called this a completely different one. Uh, Did you feel the same way?
2: Yeah, there was definitely uh, a different feeling during this one than there was five years ago. I think five years ago we were fighting a lot of philosophical battles where we were trying to get any type of free agency altogether and, that was like one of the main issues last time. And I feel like this time we were just haggling a little bit over how far the league has come and how much we were able to put into this new deal rather than focus on specific issues. It was more about how far can we push those issues.
0: Yeah, because last time you described how Ethan Finley, you were with Columbus at the time, had called you and uh, at the 11th hour and basically said, hey, we're going on strike, don't go to practice tomorrow. And then it was worked out. So this time around, you have a mutual agreement to extend the deal by a week and then get the agreement before the deadline. So what are some of the particular reasons why you think it went uh, a little bit more smoothly this time?
2: I think we started negotiating uh, way earlier this time. So during this one, we started negotiating almost two years in advance, and we started talking with the league about – what issues we thought were going to be the big issues during this. And we kind of laid out a plan for the next two years on how we were going to negotiate. So I think getting to the table earlier was definitely a big, big plus. And I also think, um, the league opening their books to us being as transparent as possible, gave us the ability to, look at how the league is doing and base our negotiations off of what we believe the league, like where the league is at right now.
0: So when you got a, a look at the books like that, what was your assessment of where the league was at? Did you feel like it gave you more liberty to maybe ask for a little bit more or a little bit less?
2: Uh, it gave us the numbers just to base on what we thought we could go into i guess it's more we saw the league growing at a specific percentage rate they saw the league growing at a specific percentage rate and then it was just haggling about certain issues and meeting in the middle and some like either side making compromises but it was just a lot easier knowing where they were at so that we didn't go in shooting for the moon and there all the way back on earth if that makes sense
0: yeah for sure and And I talked to Eric Miller a couple of times in addition to yourself, your former teammate at NYC, part of the executive committee of the MLSPA. And you both did talk about the possibility or the preparation, if necessary, that uh, a work stoppage, a strike would be called. Can you pinpoint when during these negotiations? Because the last time I talked to you was in November. But when, when during these negotiations did you feel like that wasn't going to be necessary that the two sides were, were absolutely on a similar wavelength.
2: We've talked a lot about how this negotiation has been, it's been pretty smooth from the get go, but there have always been times where you look at what they're saying, you look at what you want and you're thinking you're farther apart than you really are. I mean, until we actually got into a room here in the last couple of weeks and started hammering out all of the small details along with the bigger issues. Um, there's always that possibility of a strike, but it wasn't really until the last couple of weeks where we felt that we could truly get a deal done. That was going to be good for both parties. So up until a few weeks ago, we were telling all the guys that everything was going to be prepped. Everything like about the strike is still happening. But then, once we got into those negotiations for the past couple of weeks, we felt pretty good, um, and thankfully, we were able to come to an agreement.
0: And I guess when that uh, mutual agreement to extend the the uh, the contract from January 31st to Feb 7, that was a pretty good sign, you would think.
2: Yeah. So I mean, in years past, we've always kind of the that January 31st deadline is kind of a loose deadline. You see the players kind of negotiate all the way through preseason up until the the first MLS game. So when we extended the deadline by seven days, it's a good thing that you can actually put a deadline on it and you know you know there's an actual deadline that you have to get it done by instead of having it open ended.
0: Uh, we're with Brad Stuver, member of the uh, MLS PA bargaining committee and the player rep for New York City FC. Uh, your executive director, Bob Foos, among other things, he called it an historic step forward for the sport and the league. Can you uh, just define a little bit, how does this deal significantly change what it is to be an MLS player?
2: I think this deal tackles a lot of issues that we've been talking about for a long time now. We've talked about improving the travel and this deal significantly improves travel for every team across the board with mandatory charter flights going up every year. Um, We got free agency eligibility significantly lower. You think last deal we went from 28 and eight, which was a big deal the last time just being able to get free agency, but to be able to knock that down to 24 and five gives 26% of the player pool the ability to qualify for free agency, where last CBA it was only 11%. Um, And I think the other one is just the amount of money going into the deal. You're going to see a lot of money being spent over these next uh, five years going toward the players, and that's a big thing. The more money that can go to the players, the better this league is going to be.
0: When we spoke last time, uh, I asked you the question, what's the most important thing on the table, do you think? And your response was, and I'll quote it here, there were a lot of different issues on the table, but the main thing is just putting fewer restrictions on the money available for players. Right now you see all the three-letter acronyms like TAM, GAM, and those can only be used on certain players. Here's Bob Foose last Thursday.
1: Our stance hasn't changed, and the the structure of TAM hasn't changed either. It's just still the same exact degree of overcomplication. So we did get it reduced and we got it significantly reduced as a percentage of the overall spend. And uh, from our perspective, what that means is it will uh, begin to and ultimately significantly reduce the effectiveness of the restrictions um, in the TAM category uh, because it, it should be relatively easy by the end of the deal to just allocate your TAM to players who are already on your roster. So um, you, we would have loved to have gotten rid of it entirely. Um, I, I would say the, the complexity and the transparency of the league, that's probably one of the areas where we came up a little shorter than we would have hoped. Uh, we will keep fighting that fight. We would like to see things easier to understand. And we would certainly like to see all the out there for players um, to be available. So, Brad,
0: TAM still exists, GAM still exists, but do you see that uh, in the current structure that uh, there were gains there for the players?
2: Yeah, I think there's a very significant gain in that. When you look at the money across the five-year term, you look at the unrestricted money that increases throughout the five years. I think the unrestricted money goes from 53% of the total amount of spend and by the end of the deal, it's going to jump up to 82%. So when you look at the amount of unrestricted money being spent overall, you can see a significant jump.
0: Foose did say that uh, things like TAM need to go away. Uh, so it's still around, but uh, but you still see it as progress. Uh, you've defined it I mean, there, but you, you still see it as progress?
2: Yeah, it's still a big step forward. Uh, I know the league likes TAM, and eventually we will get everything into one bucket, but altogether the unrestricted spend going from 53 to 82% is a big win for us.
0: Brad, you mentioned free agency, and I'm wondering if you could just, uh, and I'm, I'm not suggesting in any way you you want to uh, escape New York City or, or leave or anything like that, but I wonder if you, we could just take you individually as a case in point that uh, uh, under the, the current situation, uh, collect a bargaining agreement you are now eligible for free agency when you weren't before correct
2: technically correct
0: technically yeah. correct okay yeah. so it's 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 kind of um i mean you talk about when you came into the league uh, with columbus in 2014 and, and as you put it last time to me you know free agency was just like a hurdle in 2015 and now um this seems significant
2: yeah, and I mean it's not just the free agency eligibility; it's also the compensation for the free agent himself. Uh, there are a lot of restrictions in the last CBA about how much a free agent was able to make, uh, and DPS weren't allowed to be free agents. So now it's one of those things where anybody that is 24 years old and has five years of MLS service are qualify for free agency, and whether you're a DP or on senior minimum, you're able to negotiate a lot higher salary than you were before.
0: And one of the things that Foos brought up, which I found interesting, is not only is there increased flexibility with free agency, but uh, and it's not just about the players being able to move, but maybe how they um, are treated or interact with their current teams, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it gives the player the ability to go in and tell the team, listen, I'm a free agent this year. I would love to stay, but if the contract's not right, I can go and find another team that's willing to pay me what I think I'm worth. Where in the old scheme of things, if you weren't a free agent, you would be at the mercy of the team. They could offer you a bona fide offer, which would only be a 10% increase in your current salary. And if you said no, then they would hold your rights and you would have to take your luck through the reentry draft. So it's one of those things where having the ability to negotiate with your team and get the most value out of what you think you're worth is a big step.
0: To take the next uh, thing that we discussed previously, charter flights, and you did bring it up, and there is a mandatory club figure now, eight legs to use charters, Uh, no more or no less. So to be clear, teams cannot add more than eight, which uh, again, uh, your executive director, who's trying to do best for the players at all times, says that he was a little disappointed with that aspect of it.
1: These are mandatory charters um, that are specified, so uh, all teams are required to use the the charter legs that are set out in the CBA. Um, there is not a discretion to exceed that within MLS. Um, we had discretion the last time through, and uh, we weren't, unfortunately, uh, very happy with how that played out. Um, In terms of other tournaments, um, CCL games that are played that are international will be chartered or required to be chartered. Uh, Other international games or games played internationally uh, can be chartered in the discretion of the owner. I think that covers all of those rules. And then obviously the required legs go up over the course of the the CBA. So by no means do I think we're there yet, uh, but it's good progress and a good starting point um, on that issue. Brad,
0: can we just revisit how important this could be uh, for the players, the teams, the coaching staff?
2: Yeah. I mean, especially for us in New York, charter flights was a big thing just because it's very difficult for us to travel from Orangeburg to any of the three airports. So charter flights was one of our biggest things that we brought to the table. Um, But when people think of travel, they don't see the rest and recuperation that players need to go through after a long travel day because of our unique position where our job relies on how we feel and like our bodies travel is a significant part. So when you can charter those long flights or, flights where you have a game Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, you have more time to recover and recoup, and ultimately that's going to lead to better products on the field and healthier players, so this was a big thing for us, and uh, I'm glad the league made these charter flights mandatory instead of discretionary. That makes a big difference, and hopefully as we continue to negotiate more CBAs, that goes higher and higher each time.
0: And I think we all recognize that's a lot of money that the clubs have to put out uh, that sort of travel. I mean, how um, how difficult a negotiating point was that? Did you find that to be something that was a challenge, or did it come to a conclusion maybe even sooner than you thought?
2: I think everything came down to dollar signs, and the league and the MLSPA were very good at costing out the entire proposal as one big unit instead of out instead of costing out individual portions of it. And maybe the MLSPA put more money towards certain things like charter flights or free agency or win bonuses. And the league wanted to put more money toward other things. But at the end of the day, we came up with a number that could go into this deal as a whole and charter flights came to the amounts that they are now, which I think is a big step in the right direction. When you go from four discretionary eight mandatory and then by the end of the deal you're looking at 16 mandatory flights plus all of playoffs plus all of Champions League
0: and you got a Champions League match coming up and you said you have this refined bonus structure so uh, there's a chance for you and your teammates to, to cash in a little bit here
2: yeah I mean definitely being part of different competitions allows you to perform at different levels and it gives you the ability to make more bonuses which at the end of the day players are playing the game because it gives a paycheck and the more money that we're able to win is a good thing
0: and there was some confusion on the conference call which i think has been corrected that uh if an mls team wins a, a ccl championship uh, the team could earn up to three hundred and eighty thousand dollars in bonuses and that that's just for the team right that's not individual uh, an individual figure?
2: No, that's for the team. So much like the playoff bonuses and the win bonuses during the MLS regular season, those bonuses are on a per team, and then it's split up amongst the teams.
0: And a final CBA thought, uh, Brad. Uh, the Latino players uh, in the MLS community, 150 players from 18 different countries now, so the makeup of the league since the uh, since the last agreement – has changed uh, Diego Rubio of Colorado. He may have been the greatest presence on the bargaining committee among the Latinos. Uh, did you sense that there was more involvement and understanding from that group of players, many of whom are our teammates of yours at, at New York city?
2: Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of involvement from a lot of guys throughout the locker room. Um, we were very fortunate to have Luis Braza on the, the bargaining committee so that he was able to translate things pretty quickly and talk to those guys about all the issues. Um, But if you look at our guys, you look at Maxi, you look at Tati, Jesus, Mata, Kayens, Eber, like all these guys, they were all actively involved. They were always asking questions. They wanted to know what was going on. And I think you and I have discussed before, Glenn, that Tati actually went through something similar while he was in Uruguay, and he went through a similar bargaining and strike prep and all this stuff. So he understood why we were doing it and was able to bring a little bit of... Personal experience to the table. So, I mean, it was definitely good to have the entire player pool on board. And like you said, I think the having the Latinos be able to understand what we're doing is a big thing for solidarity.
0: Well, Brad, congratulations. I know you've been uh, you know, a big leader uh, in this uh, bargaining uh, and negotiating uh, with uh, the communication to your teammates as well. And final thought here, you got preseason. You're well in. You're playing your first ever CONCACAF Champions League matchup coming for the club February 20th uh, in Costa Rica. And... Uh, I asked this of uh, Ishmael Tajuri shradi last week, and you're in a similar boat. Your first three years now with the club, this is your third season, you've had three different coaches in preseason. So uh, I'm curious, anything that distinguishes Ronnie Dyler from Domi Tarant or Patrick Vieira?
2: I mean, they're all, they're all very different, but they're all very the same. They all come with the idea that they want to win trophies, but they come in with a different idea of how to approach the game, different styles, each three of them, but it's been good. We have the core 22, 23 guys coming back. So it's been easy to get the guys on the field and just go out and implement what Ronnie wants us to do. So I'm looking forward to our test down here against Inter-Miami and really looking forward to the Champions League.
0: All right, Brad. Brad Stuver, a goalkeeper, New York City FC, a member of the bargaining committee for the Major League uh the Soccer Players Association, New York City Player Rep. Brad, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Good luck in the scrimmage against uh, Miami.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks again.
0: New York City FC will close their preseason scrimmage slate with a friendly at Inter Miami on Wednesday. Then eight days later, they'll play their first-ever CONCACAF Champions League match, earned by winning the Eastern Conference regular season in 2019, traveling to San Carlos, Costa Rica for the first leg on February 20th, The recent announcement of the second leg home match has caused a bit of a stir. New York City will host San Carlos at rival Red Bull Arena on Wednesday, February the 26th at 6 p.m. A lot more on that later. This week I'm going to be sitting with NYCFC CEO Brad Sims talking about Red Bull Arena, the recent soccer-specific stadium news, and a lot more to cover on our next episode. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.